This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today is Father's Day, and we are in the book of Psalms. In fact, our series in the book of Psalms is entitled A Soundtrack for Life. And we've been going through, we are now in week number four. Um, As we've looked at a couple of different psalms, we've looked at Psalm 1, we have looked at Psalm 96 last week in our missions Sunday, and then we are now looking at Psalm 128, Psalm 128, the title of today's message, Because I Can. It's called One Rad Dad, all right? One Rad Dad, all right? Not one bad dad, but one rad dad, all right? And... um, You know, the truth is fatherhood in our country is quite possibly the most neglected facet of our culture. Um, Boys seem to be man enough to father a child, but oftentimes not to raise that child. Um, We live in a world of exceptions to the rule. We live in a world um, of difficulty with fatherhood. And I will say this, um, this void in the lives of children um, has, according to many professionals that know much more about child psychology and the way that the brain of a child works, professionals way smarter than me have said that this void has greatly impacted the generation that we have today. I don't necessarily argue with that. I don't know that, but I don't argue with that. But we as believers know that earthly fathers portray a heavenly father. And if you can track the the natural progression, digression, if children do not see a physical representation of an earthly father who is supposed to point them to the spiritual of their heavenly father, then there's no question in my mind why the next generation has lost its connection spiritually. Follow that? If we as earthly fathers are to show our children what it means to be a heavenly father, then there's no question why there is a spiritual void in the next generation. But I will say this today, that was it for my negativity. Um... Mother's Day, we have mothers. In fact, we had a huge number of people on Mother's Day uh, at our service. I think we had 145 people that day for Mother's Day. But on Mother's Day, it's like, man, we talk about how amazing moms are and moms are the best. And if pastors and preachers aren't careful on Father's Day, we talk about how horrible and terrible fathers are. And there's something ingrained in our culture I'm not against you if you uh, do this. I watched shows growing up that if you really take a step back, I was a kid, but if you really take a step back and and really look at the show kind of overview, it was always the father was the one that was the idiot. He was the one making the dumb mistakes. And he was the one having to go back and apologize and, and everything. And here's the thing. I believe when us as fathers make dumb and stupid mistakes which we do all the time that we ought to go back and apologize but the central theme 
of so much of even the good things that I used to watch as a kid, if I really look back on it, it was, man, my dad's, my dad screws up all the time. Like, I've got to endure him. And I believe in biblical, godly, strong, manly leadership. I believe that we as men and fathers specifically have been called of God to lead. Uh, to lead our families, but to lead our children. We're not going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 today, but we were there just a couple months ago talking about fathers not provoking their children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture, the care, the admonition of the Lord. But we're here today to celebrate some amazing fathers, some men who have given and are giving their lives to raising their children as the book of Ephesians taught us, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And let me say this, being a father to my girls is an absolute highlight of my life. Outside of my relationship with with my wife, being a husband to my wife, being a father to my girls is the highlight of my life. I love it. I enjoy it. In fact, they're even to the age now where I just take them along with whatever I'm doing. I just, anybody want to go, let's go. And, And I enjoy that so much. When they were younger, that was a little more difficult. Just be patient with me. I wasn't perfect, okay? But uh, when they were younger, I'm like, oh, you sure you don't want to stay with your mother? Uh, but, um, but now it's take them one or both along. And just yesterday morning, I was able to take um, one of my daughters, Kelsey, out, and we were able to have a good time. And I enjoy that. I adore my children. I can't wait to see what God has for them. But fatherhood is extremely important. And it's with this theme of fatherhood in mind that we look at the 128th psalm this psalm speaks to who a godly father or a godly husband is if you have your bibles you can look along if you don't it'll be on the screen behind me but this psalm says blessed is everyone who fears the lord who walks in his ways when you eat the labor of your hands you shall be happy and it shall be well with you Now, who is this psalm speaking to? We don't find it until verse 3. But this entire psalm is written to, verse 3 says, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Obviously, this psalm is referring specifically to a man who is a father and or a husband. Verse 4, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. There's even a a shout out to grandfathers. We've got some grandfathers in the room, some new grandfathers. Being a father. It's the greatest privilege for us as earthly fathers to represent our heavenly father to our children and to our families can we pray together heavenly father lead us guide us direct us as we walk through your word god i pray that it wouldn't be my opinion today that it wouldn't be my stories today that it wouldn't be my intellect today that shines but it would be your word god that we would have some men who would take psalm 28 as a passage of scripture that they keep close to their heart 
Did they look back and refer to that throughout the, 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 the years, God? Did they see the responsibility that we have as men to love and care and lead in our homes and in our families? I thank you for every father present here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, by the way, as soon as we're done today, we have root beer and Coke floats uh, for all the men. And as with anything we do, if there's any left over, it's a free-for-all. All right, so uh, we will have that outside uh, right in the lobby here as we leave today. And so I'm looking forward, um, looking forward to that. Last year we did cheer wine, bottles of cheer wine. So uh, this year we're doing floats. I don't know what we'll do next year, but it'll have something to do with eating something or drinking something. You know, that's just what we do. So... We'll give away, give away recliners next week, next, next year for Father's Day. I want us to see just a couple of highlights from this chapter today that I believe will help us. Ladies, mothers, um, young people, uh, listen in because these are obviously principles that are geared directly at father slash husband. However, um, universal principles that I believe we can all use and, and, and can all help us. Um, if you're a married lady here today, this is a way for you to to pray uh, for your spouse. I mean, it is, a, it is an end to pray for. If you are um, a single lady here today, it's a, this is a great chapter to pray over if God allows a future husband into your life. But let's look very quickly at the text. Number one, I want us to see this. A godly father fears the Lord. A godly father fears the Lord. Look at the very first verse. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Look at, down at verse 4. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Who fears the Lord. It's been said that the fear of God is the cornerstone of, of all godliness. I want you to think about that quote. The fear of God is the cornerstone of all godliness. What that means is if we are to be godly men and godly fathers and godly husbands today, it begins with a healthy fear of God. Fear of the Lord. And what do you say, Josh, what do you mean by fear? Because maybe the way I was raised, my, my dad ruled with an iron fist. And my dad would discipline me in anger. And my dad was borderline abusive. And, and so when you say fearing someone, I think of crouching in the corner and, and shying away. And so is that what you mean? No, that's, that's not what the biblical term of fearing the Lord uh, means. The fear, a fear of God is not a scared little boy running through a haunted house. This is a holy reverence. This is a spiritual acknowledgement of the power that Almighty God has to do anything He wants in my life. Everyone understands healthy fear. Parents, I believe we taught our children at very young ages healthy fear. It's the reason right now that grade school, fourth, third, fourth, fifth, grade kids more than likely fingers crossed won't run out here to Fayetteville Road and dart out in the middle of traffic you know why because at a younger age you taught them a healthy fear you fear that big piece of 
used to be metal, but now it's plastic, on wheels uh, coming down the road at a high speed. I believe as small children, you taught your children a healthy fear of the stove and the oven. I believe we've taught our children healthy fear. Well, can I say this? In our relationship to our Heavenly Father, there should be a healthy fear, a healthy reverence, a healthy acknowledgement that, hey, listen, God is almighty and powerful. And this is the same God who, with just a, a thought, with not even a spoken word, can take me away. This is a God, if he so chooses, that can take everything that, I, that he's given me and he can, he can just pull it right out from under me, if he so chooses. A healthy fear of God. We need, to, in our churches today, and in our specific local church today, we need a revival of people who fear God. You say, what, what I, I got into some trouble as a um, teenager, maybe, um, and as a young adult, maybe, um, what stopped me from getting into even more trouble? I've got to be honest with you. It wasn't because I love Jesus so much. If I can be real. It wasn't because as a young adult in their early 20s, I was just so in love with Jesus that I didn't want to do anything else. I'd be lying to you. What kept me from going down a path even further that I shouldn't be going down? You know what it was? A healthy fear of both my heavenly father and my earthly father. This isn't about Mother's Day, but I was scared of my mom too, just to throw it out there. <laughs> I told my parents now that I'm older and they can't really do anything to me anymore. <laughs> I'm like, uh, and I won't say this because we're videoing. I got spanked as a child and I'm still normal. It's all good. So there we go. I made it. Hey, and I got spanked a lot. Just, I'm looking at the camera. In case you guys watch this, um, but I used to tell him, I'm like, look, I'd rather have dad spank me than mom. Like dad, like had a, he was like compassionate about it. My mom's like, Rah! like it was, I mean, it was, it's gotta be real. But at the end of the day, as a man, a healthy fear is manly and it's godly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scared of anything. I'm not, okay, fine. I mean, if that's the way you want to live your life, if you want to live your life, I'm not scared of, of anything, then you'll probably die a careless death, to be honest with you. A healthy fear of God. You see, I don't want to sin. I don't want to bring sin in my life, and we're, we're about to get there. I don't want to bring sin in my life because I have a, a reverence and a fear of almighty, holy, perfect God. You see, I don't want to... I don't want to ruin my marriage, not because necessarily because I don't want to hurt my wife and my children and, and all of our friends and family in this church. No, I don't want to mess my marriage up because I have a reverence and a fear for, for God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize my relationship with my children, not because I love them even though I love them, but because I have a fear of, of God. Listen, the reason, I'll be honest with you, part of the reason why I'm pastoring this church and we planted this church is because I had a fear of God. And God told me what to do, and I fear if I don't obey what God tells me what to do. I have a healthy fear of God. I want a healthier fear of God. A godly father will fear the Lord. And let me say this, men, it's not a weakness. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. 
It's not a weakness. It's wisdom. Having healthy fear. You see, if you play on a basketball team and you're in the NBA and you've played on the same team for a couple of years and you've been the starting point guard and you become at ease and there's no real true backup, but then all of a sudden they draft somebody. They draft this young kid, went to college for one year and here he comes and now he's in training camp this summer alongside you. Well, guess what? You now have a healthy fear of losing your job. And so what are you going to do as a man? You're going to strive to get better. You're going to work a little harder. You're going to take a little few, a few more shots. You're going to do a few more dribbling drills. You may bring in a, a specific coach to help you work on your defense. You're going to do some things. Why? Because you have a healthy fear. A godly man will fear the Lord, a godly father. But secondly, I want us to see this. A godly father walks in righteousness. A godly father walks in righteousness. Look at the rest of verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Who walks in his ways. You see, it's not just enough to have a fear of God in your mind and in your heart, but it must translate into your lifestyle. Hey, listen, you can say all you want to. Hey, God may kill me for doing this, and then you go do it anyway. You may understand the fear of God intellectually in your mind, but you do not truly believe something until it moves you to action. And so a godly man will walk in righteousness as a result of his healthy fear of the Lord. The verse is connected. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his Ways. You see, a godly life must be practically lived out in the way we walk, talk, and the lifestyle that we choose to live. Psalm, in Psalm 1, we spoke two weeks in Psalm 1, and we, we talked a lot about uh, how a blessed man should not walk. Counsel the ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, see the scornful. We talked about that. But this, in this text, we see where a blessed man does walk. He walks in the ways of the Lord. Spurgeon said it like this, the fear of the Lord is the fit fountain of holy living. That's the beginning. That's that's the beginning of verse 1, the fear of the Lord. We look in vain for holiness, that's the second part, apart from it. None but those who fear the Lord will ever walk in His ways. None but those who fear the Lord will ever walk in His ways. Can I 2019 it for you? Can I quote a little bit? Maybe that'll help you. Fathers, men, one day your kids will become more of who you are as opposed to who you tell them to be. Bless you. Is that what you say after a burp? Fathers, one day your kids will become more of who you are as opposed to who you tell them to be. I buckle my seatbelt in my car every single time I get in it. Before I had children, I must confess, 
I did not. I saw it as communism. It's my vehicle. <laughs> if I want to buckle, I will buckle. If I don't, leave me alone. Kind of like an HOA. Just leave me alone. Y'all ain't the government. Anyway. But you know what changed? That little 10-year-old back there. Yep. That one right there. I would always get in my car when she had her uh, car seat and she could buckle herself and I would say, I want to hear it click. Let me hear it click. I want to hear your seatbelt click. That was before I would pull away. And when she got old enough to talk, guess what? Hey, Daddy, I want to hear it click. Do you have your seatbelt on? You know what that taught me? My kids, who they are going to become is more who I am than what I tell them. Than what I tell them. Hey, you want your kids to love Jesus? Do you? You want your kids to thirst for righteousness? Well, fathers, do you? Do you want your kids to to be grounded in Scripture? Well, do you? You want your kids to, oh man, do you want your kids to be kind and not angry? Are you? Are you? You see, a godly father will walk in righteousness, understanding that his children will catch more than they are taught. They'll observe more than they're taught. You see, at the end of my life, all I really want someone to say is, hey, whatever he taught, that's who he was. Good, bad, ugly. What he said is who he was. Who he was up here on Sunday is who he was on Thursday. That's what I want because I want, I know that my children are going to mimic what I do more than they're going to obey what I say. And that is a challenge to me as a father, to walk in his ways. Today we need a commitment to righteousness, to living holy lives that are different, to living lives that those that work with us notice the difference. To rejecting this world and all the lust of this world and the lust of our flesh and to embrace what scripture tells us is is righteousness and biblical godliness and manhood. Walking in righteousness. So a godly father will fear the Lord, but secondly, a godly father walks in righteousness. Thirdly, I want us to see this this morning and I'm I want to let us out a little bit early today, I promise, and I want us to eat eat some stuff together and hang out. A godly father works to provide. He works to provide. Look at verse 2. Remember this entire psalm is addressing husbands and fathers. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. The truth is this. There's a supreme satisfaction in a good day's work. I think every man, if I can use, I wish I had the picture, if I can use Shane as an illustration. Shane told me a couple weeks ago, he's like, yeah, I got to get a, I got to trim a couple of uh, bushes around the house this week. And then I see him about a week later and he's like, Josh, trimming a couple bushes turned into trimming quite a bit. And then it continued. And he took a picture of everything that he cut down. He, cut, he ended up having to hire a company, not to do the work, but to come haul all the work away. 
to get rid of it all. But you know what? As a man, there's supreme satisfaction in that. Listen, yeah, there you go. There's satisfaction in seeing, man, this is where all the shrub, shrubbery was and the bushes were. This is where all that stuff was, and now it's gone. It's completely cleaned out, and, and we'll take a picture of it. And There's supreme satisfaction in that. There's supreme satisfaction even in something as small as, I don't know anything about cars, but, but changing out maybe a, a spark plugs in, in an older car and changing out the spark plugs, and when you turn that ignition, it fires up. There's just something about that, like completing a job, working. There's something about that. And this godly father eats the labor of his hands, and you shall be happy. A good father, a good husband, a godly father will model what good hard work is to his son or to his daughter. At our places of employment, there shouldn't be a question about our work ethic and our character as men. There should be an innate desire in us men to work hard anyway. But when you add in the fact that we are also to be godly men, then no one ought to question our integrity. No one ought to question our work ethic. No one ought to question whether or not we're going to put the time in that is needed and getting the job completed, the task that we've been given. Hey, if you're a, 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 a manager or a boss at your job, you ought to lead in love and lead biblically with biblical leadership traits. And, and people that work for you ought to know that, hey, you're going to get a fair shake and you're going to get an honest boss and you're going to get a kind boss. And yeah, he may have to make some difficult decisions, but he's going to do so with kindness. You see, it matters for a godly father in his work. In his work. You see, we ought to see every opportunity of a, at our jobs or anything that we do for a living or any time we go out to work, it's another way of worshiping our Savior. Some of you worship the Lord throughout the week by working in a manual labor type job. Others of you maybe have a more office job where you're behind a computer desk. Some of you answer to a lot of people above you. And others of you have a lot of people under you that answer to you. At the end of the day, all of that, let's put it all together. And let's just say that Monday through Friday, whatever your work schedule is, is another opportunity to worship the Lord through your work. Because it matters. A godly father will eat the labor of his hands and be happy and it shall be well with you. I think that speaks specifically if you are a deer hunter and you save the meat. Invite me over. All right, that's, that's, I think that's what the scripture is saying very specifically there in the Hebrew. And so uh, look it up. Let me know if you agree. All right. A godly father fears the Lord, walks in righteousness. That's verse 1. Verse 2, he works to provide. Down in verse 3, a godly father values his family. A godly father values his family. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. That actually is a wonderful passage of Scripture for uh, wives today, for our ladies. Your children like olive plants all around your table. There's some specific symbolism here that I'm not going to take the time to explain. But if you look it up and study it, you'll see the specific symbolism there with the fruitful vine as well as the olive plants with our wives and our children. But at the end of the day, I think it's safe to say a godly father values his family. He's a family man. 
As I mentioned at the beginning, it's one of the honors of my life to be the father of my two daughters. I didn't understand it until I had two daughters. I didn't understand it until the first time I held my firstborn daughter. It, it didn't click until that time. But valuing the family, by the grace of God, I want to value my family and my role as the leader of my daughters. That means for me as a, as a man, I need to make decisions that don't just benefit me, but I need to remove myself and make decisions that benefit those that are in my circle, my wife and my two daughters. That means that I don't make decisions that just make me look good or that benefit what I want to benefit. That means that sometimes I make decisions that hurt me and do not benefit me because they will benefit the other three people that live in my household. That means that I don't simply look at my desires and what I want, but I look at what is best for others. That means that I spend a little bit more money than I probably ought to spend to take care of my two daughters. Amen. I'm just going to amen myself. That means that I plan and that means that we prepare and we save money to go on vacations. Why? Because I want to make memories with my daughters. That means that I could spend that money very easily every month that we save. I could I promise you I could spend it. I could burn it in 10 minutes. But we do that for a specific reason. It's because I value my family. I value my family. And I enjoy the times that we get to spend not only together here, but also when we are able to get away. Can I say this, fathers? You have no greater call than the call to your family. If you become successful in whatever industry that you're in and you lose a relationship as a father, you can have all that other success. Fathers, your family, your children are your greatest call. You say, Josh, why is that our greatest call? Well, it's because we are called to be earthly representations of our heavenly Father. That's a, that's a big task. Men, we get it bad. Let's be honest. Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Really? And now we are to represent a holy and perfect and righteous God to our children? Men, we've got a tough task ahead of us. And none of us will be perfect. Thank God for grace. Thank God for people that, the three people that live in my house that see me mess up all the time. And I say, I'm really sorry. I should not have done that. And they say, oh, I love you, Daddy. Sarah doesn't say it quite like that. She says, hey, that was strike two. One more time, sleeping on the couch. All right, that's, what, that's, what it, that's the way it goes in my house. I know. No, I'm just kidding. In conclusion today, I understand that every time we have a holiday, whether it be Mother's Day, whether it's even Christmas or things like that, that some of these days are bright days and positive days and, and we love them. But I, we must be honest that these are some difficult days for many people. This could be someone in here's first Father's Day without fill in the blank. 
Um, I don't know every single person's complete story and family history in here. And so you could think back to your father for Father's Day, and it's not positive. You could think back to abuse. You could think back to hell on earth. And can I say this to every person who didn't have one rad dad here on this earth? That you are eternally loved by a heavenly father that can love you more than any earthly father ever could hope to love you. Yes, it's different because you can't physically touch him and you can't physically receive a hug from him and you can't physically sit on his lap and and read a book or you can't understand that but you have a heavenly father who loves you and he will eternally love you and so i want to say today that if if in your mind you think of fathers and you immediately think negativity and abuse i want to encourage you your heavenly father is not that father. Your heavenly father is not that father. He is love. He's holy. He's just. He's fair. He's kind. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants what is best for you more than you want what is best for you. And let's be real, you want what's best for you really bad. He wants what's best for you more than you do. Before you were formed in your mother's belly, he knew you. He loves you and he cares for you. If you don't have a relationship with that heavenly father, that's actually the entire story of this Bible. You see, this is a big book and there's a lot of different books within this book and chapters and verses. There's a lot of things in this book that maybe make you scratch your head. And not really know what's going on. But this, the story of this book from beginning to the end is a loving, caring Heavenly Father, Creator God. And sinners like myself and you. And this entire story is the plan that God had to redeem us. To restore our relationship with Him. You see Adam and Eve... The sin that they committed was, according to Romans chapter 5, tells us that sin was passed upon to you and to me. And so we were born in our sin, and we are, in our sin we are not reconciled to God, our Heavenly Father who loves us. But Jesus Christ, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God demonstrated His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the story of this book is that we were at odds with our Creator because of our sin, but Jesus came and He lived the, the sinless life that you can't live. It's impossible for you to be sinless. He lived that life for you. He died the death that you deserve to die on Calvary's cross. He died for you. He was buried and He rose again three days later. We celebrate that. Today we sang about that. Then He rose. That's the story of the Bible. He wants an intimate, deep relationship with you. He's instituted his local church. He's instituted his word. He's instituted his spirit. He's instituted the family. All elements of his relationship that he wants with you as, 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 his, as, his, as your creator. 
Can I invite you today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you are still at odds with your Creator, God, I would like to invite you into a real, genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Not church attendance, not, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I was born into a Christian family, blah, blah, blah. Went to Sunday school, yeah. No, a real, a real relationship. You see, when you have a real relationship with Jesus, things change on the inside. Uh, things begin to feel differently and look differently. You begin to see yourself a little bit differently. You begin to fall under what we call conviction. That's the Christianese word uh, for, I guess it's feeling bad, uh, for the sins that we commit. I want to invite you into a relationship with someone who can change your life today. And here's the awesome part, bonus. He also will change your eternity. He will change your eternal destination. To be reconciled with him in heaven for all of eternity. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.